1: Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, it's Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show and Merry Christmas. Uh, today on the program, a perfect couple of guests. We've got Jonathan Morris and Caitlin Morris. Jonathan Morris is better known to a lot of the folks who listen to this show as Father Jonathan, now, formerly Father Jonathan Morris. He's a Fox News contributor. That's where I first met him. And um, in May of 2019, he announced he was leaving the priesthood. And shortly thereafter, it did not overlap. Uh, Or did it? We'll ask. No, it didn't. Um, He met Caitlin. And we'll take it from there when you meet them in a minute. But the story of how it all happened is absolutely fascinating. And uh, we just thought it would be a perfect couple to bring on uh, this time of year, just to celebrate, yes, God, um, choices in life, uh, independence, and love, ultimately, love. But first, Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Veteran CEO and founder Evan Hafer spent over seven years on the ground overseas with U.S. Special Forces and as a CIA contractor. Evan even modified his gun trucks during the invasion of Iraq to grind coffee anywhere. Commitment. Coffee's more than a business for him. It's a true passion. Every morning while deployed, Evan would cheers his coffee with his team leader before heading out on patrols. Great coffee does have a way of grounding us no matter where we are. For Evan, he says it actually reminds him of the cold mornings he spent hunting in the Idaho mountains. Through coffee, Evan was able to experience that perfect morning every morning, whether he was in Kabul, Seattle or anywhere in between. There's nothing better than starting your day with America's coffee. Make your holidays better by giving the gift of Black Rifle Coffee. Go to blackriflecoffee.com slash MK today and check out the best coffee in America. America's Coffee makes your holiday shopping easy with personalized bundles. You can get gifted subscriptions to the coffee club, gift cards, and a whole lot of premium coffee apparel and gear. Recommend the mugs. Love them. Make your holidays better with Black Rifle Coffee. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash MK to get twenty percent off coffee apparel and gear, as well as twenty percent off your first month of the coffee club. And now, my now former priest but current friend, Jonathan Morris, and his wife, Caitlin. Uh, sweet newlyweds together with me—the <laughs> the, the weird third wheel. Okay, there's so much to go over with you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Jonathan. So Caitlin, stand by because uh, I got to get your story on record, uh, Jonathan. I I can't call you Jonathan. I I've only ever called you Father Jonathan, so I can't do that now. So Janice Dean and I decided we're gonna call you FFJ. You used to be FJ. Now you're formerly <laughs> Father, so FFJ. Is my that's going to be my interim term for you, and I I try I'll try to grow into Jonathan.
2: <laughs> that's fine. You can call me whatever you like, and that's part <laughs> of our history. That's part of um, my history, and I'm so yes. glad that um, this history is connected with yours over so many years.
1: Oh, you you have been such a beautiful friend to me and counselor, and just amazing presence in my life. So I'm thrilled to have you and to be talking about your joy. Um. So you grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I love the story of how you first became a priest. I remember sitting in a little restaurant with you and Doug years ago, I I don't know, it must have been 13 years ago or so, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, and you were telling me this story and I couldn't believe <laughs> how it happened. Be- so before we get to this moment, did you grow up very religious?
2: I would say my parents tried to raise me very religious. That <laughs> was that. Um, certainly a religious home, but at the same time, I kind of instinctively rejected that, um, during my, especially during my high school years.
1: Mm -hmm. And so like, do you have brothers and sisters? I know you have at least one sister.
2: I have uh, six siblings. So yeah, big Catholic family, seven, seven kids, um, mostly, uh, grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and then also in Akron and Cleveland, Ohio. So maybe typical, um, Catholic, large Catholic family of years Mm -hmm. past, uh, Mm -hmm. that would like maybe at least encourage or be open to one of the children becoming a priest or a nun, but certainly that was not encouraged. And I had no idea or any interest in that, um, growing up at least, uh, through halfway through college.
1: You know, it's funny because my, my mom and dad, uh, my mom is very Catholic and my dad was very Catholic and even my stepdad is very Catholic, but my mom too tried to do the Catholic thing when she first married my dad, you know, she saved herself to marriage. And then as she puts it, she had two babies in two years. And she said, forget that, (laughs) got herself some birth control. (laughs) And I came along five years later, (laughs) but there's so many big Catholic families in part for that reason.
2: Yeah. Well, and thank God that, you know, five years later you came along.
1: That's right. I, as I like to remind my brother and sister, I was the only one they really wanted. They, I was the only <laughs> planned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you grew up a, a Catholic family and, and, you know, maybe there's some... Did you know there might be some hope that you would enter the priesthood one day?
2: No. the The, the only first memory, Megan, that I have of being somehow attracted to the priesthood or like a kind of a noble calling was... Um, I, I remember my parents had a priest friend who was like this traveling missionary come um, and celebrate mass at our house. I have no idea why they did that, but anyway, he came and It was like in the living room. I don 't know if he was asking for money or if he would like I have no idea what, the, what the, but he left in the closet his chalice and, and the the wafers, the un, what we would call unconsecrated huh. hosts. Right. And I remember, first of all, being fascinated by him as a person that he was, he would talk about his missionary work and traveling. I don't know if it was the travel that was interesting to me, or I think it was more than that. It was the travel in order to do something great in his life. And he was pitching that to us and telling us about it. I found it fascinating. But then, some like very late night, I snuck down into that closet and I saw the chalice and I saw those wafers and I had, this is a confession, Megan. You've, well, I can't say if you've been to confession to me or not, but this is my, this is my, <laughs> this is my confession to you. <laughs> uh, I went up into that closet and I took some of the wafers down and I ate them. I don't know. I felt like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I was like testing it out or something. So to answer your question, I had very little interest in priesthood or in anything like that, until halfway through college, and I can tell you that about that. Yes, later,
1: I love like. this part. So it's, it reminds me of the uh, Saturday Night Fever line: "My girlfriend, she loves to taste the taste of communion wafers, Father," um, which really <laughs> nobody ever says. I mean, that's the truth. But uh, you were a different story. Okay, so you, you get to college. What was your major in college when you first got there? I studied business, okay. business <laughs> so administration, marketing. You think you're going a different route. And then tell us what happened very different. Well, I ended up
2: rooming with a friend of mine who um was from Los Angeles and he said he, he told me that he was thinking about being a priest. Now this was this was a Catholic college and so there was a kind of a underlining Catholic culture to it, but we were part of kind of like the bad boys fraternity. Um, you know, we used to say, Yeah, we'll go to confession if anybody drinks more than X number of beers. Okay. And <laughs> x number was like wait it was should have been xx right like it was a yeah. way too high number right so um we were not really on the path towards uh, religious certainly religious um conversion or even um real attachment but my roommate said i that he had this profoundly religious spiritual experience in high school he turned away from some of his bad ways and he was thinking about being a priest but then every so he was a year ahead of me in college. Every freshman class that came in of girls, he would start dating them, and he would forget the idea of celibate priesthood very quickly. And I would say, Rhett, like what happened? Like I thought you were thinking about this." And all I could think of, and I, like, I don't know if this was God or if this was my upbringing. I have no idea. But I said to him, Rhett, there will be consequences whether you choose to go the route of priesthood and missionary." Or not. So don't just go with what you feel. Try to decide what you should do. And so the two of us went to a seminary to visit, seminaries where guys who are thinking about being a priest go and study. And I went with him to make sure he went. He ended up saying, Yes, I'm staying. He stayed for seven days. He took off. Um, but in those seven days I visited him, and one thing led to another, I ended up staying for twenty-six mm. years. <sighs>
1: So when you said, I'm going to do it, and he said, I'm not, what was that moment like?
2: Um, Well, I don't know if he might have been thinking about my girlfriend, to be honest, because he laughed. I stayed. I broke up with my girlfriend of two years. I called him. I'm saying, I'm staying. I said, Rhett, do me a favor. Take care of Tasha. Oh, boy. And he said, I got your back, buddy. They are married and they have eight kids. Ah, oh,
1: no. Were you and in the wedding?
2: I, I oh, I was not invited to the wedding. It was too soon.
1: Oh, oh! I was going to say if, if they had waited just <laughs> a couple of years, soon.
2: you
1: could have officiated it. That's hilarious! What a fun story they have too for how they how they first got together. Okay, so they now, do. so at that point in your life when you decided I'm going to do this, how old were you? So I was
2: 20, 21 when I first left for the seminary
1: okay and so at that point you mentioned you had Tasha so you had had girlfriends yes 21 year old guy Catholic or not you're really just trying to, to see where you're women. going I'm
2: trying to see where you're you going you know there.
1: where I'm going you know exactly where I I'm know about. when I, you said you had
2: Tasha you had oh, girlfriend I mean, <laughs> I'm trying no just trying to I, I didn't I didn't mean had in
1: like the uh, my wife sense. Is, my,
2: my wife is on this call
1: <laughs> I bet you had okay. experienced a girlfriend in your world, yes,
2: romance. So,
1: Beautiful. so was it hard to like step away from? You know, I mean, whatever had happened there, I think it would yep. be hard to sort of say I don't want that anymore. Because, of course, the Catholic priesthood requires you yeah. to reject that.
2: It was hard. It was very hard, and I ended up joining. This is a this is probably a good topic for a whole another podcast, but. I ended up joining a religious order that um, was, I would call it a cult, mm. uh, founded, founded by a um, super, super charismatic guy who ended up becoming very friendly with John, Pope John Paul II. ended up f- f- from this little teensy tiny town of, in Mexico. He ended up founding and then growing this religious order that swept the world bringing like, together some of the most, I think, talented young men, the fastest growing order in the Catholic church, it was called the Legionaries of Christ. Uh, one thing, you know, fast forward 15 years, 20 years, really, I had been in this the whole time, it was discovered that this man was a total fraud, that he had multiple families around the world, that he had abused seminarians, that he had children, that he had abused his own children. It's a long story. His name was Father Maciel, Marcial, Marcial, Marcial. Um, so they used very heavy uh, recruiting tactics. Um, I remember one, one time you know, with my, my roommate in college, um, they're talking to one of these recruiters and they, they looked at me, they were supposed, supposedly recruiting him, but they looked at me and they said, Jonathan, you were created by God from all eternity. To be a member of the Legionaries of Christ, that left a huge impression it.
1: because it was a reinforcement over and over of you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing. This is your highest and best calling. That's right. So wait, when you say you were with them, you were with them for 20 years, or just 20 years later he was exposed? So I was with
2: them for um, I think 15 years, and then when when he was exposed, I quickly asked for a um, Basically, to be to be dismissed from that order, to be let go, and I joined the Archdiocese of New York under the um, the, the great welcome and leadership of Timothy um, Dolan, Cardinal Dolan um, of New York, where were and you he welcomed you were me with, here. When
1: you were with the Legionaries,
2: where were you? So I lived in Rome for nine years, Rome, Italy. So I was with mm-hmm. them. That's when I first um, started working for the Fox News Channel, uh, CNN first, and then the Fox News Channel um, as a commentator. And then I was there for, uh, gosh, I guess another five years. And then I transferred out of that order when everything was falling apart, it still exists, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Um, uh, and a lot of great people involved with it, but the order is rotten, um, from within, in my opinion. Um, and then I came to New York.
1: And that's when you came to New York. Okay. That's, that's when, yeah. when we met. So you're, you're over there in Rome. And you, th- this is when we first met when you were covering the death of Pope John Paul II, right? This is, yeah, Foxons so I would have been you. in
2: Rome over there. Um, and then I came back t- uh, to New York and I've been in New York for 10 years.
1: Okay. And is it true you were actually with the Pope when he died?
2: Not, not when he died. I was with him personally, I think the last time um, on Easter Sunday. Um, Easter Sunday of, you know, in that same year that he died. So um, I, I walked up and I was delivering this gift to him, This and they brought me in and sat me down at his um, Easter uh, lunch table. So it was in a pretty amazing moment for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, is that, even just like as a lowly Catholic, um, <laughs> I can't imagine what it would feel like to be next to him in particular, Pope John Paul II. I mean, as a priest, did you feel was it electric? What was it like?
2: I guess it was electric. At the same time, Megan, it's interesting looking back on it because he was one who was who was complicit. I don't think intentionally, but I think he was complicit um, in allowing this really monster of a guy, Father Maciel, to um, dupe him and all of us. So here was a very, I think, a very holy, saintly man who's actually been made a saint in the Catholic Church. He's been canonized, but he, I think, allowed himself to be duped, and there was not good management. I can tell you that. Um, wow, well, yeah. You know, so it's really, I have mixed feelings. I, certainly, I felt electrified being with him. At the same time, I hope I'm not too cynical right now, but I say, ah, I wish he would have done something differently.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of folks, Catholic and non, are looking at the Catholic Church feeling that on a number of levels, getting back to you and you're getting hired at Fox News, you were so our for our audience who doesn't know you um f f j is a very good looking man <laughs> He is a very good looking he's the best looking priest. We used to call you Father, What a waste. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that?
2: Uh, I read it in your book
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. that's a plug. That's a plus, So, yeah, know. we used to call him Father what a ways to, you know. And you know why? Um you were like an instant celebrity because you were this priest who could really explain what we were watching and we would always cover um you know the the pope's deaths or the the new pope who was coming in and you could just explain it in terms that people would understand. You were always incredibly affable, very good communicator, and this is why not only did CNN hire you, Fox News hired you, you became a Wall Street Journal contributor. You got a serious XM radio show on the Catholic channel. You were featured in the movie, the Irishman for like a while. And you became what I think is the closest thing I've seen to a celebrity priest. So I wonder if you ever got a hard time for that from your other priests.
2: Mm. Um, Caitlin will be brought in in a minute. Um, But I, you know, I think (laughs) she will say, yes, they were freaking jealous. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, I think that's what she'll say. Um, at the same time, I received a lot of love. Is she there? Caitlin,
1: are you there? (laughs) (laughs) I am here. Hi, Megan. (laughs) What's the truth? What's the truth lady? Hi, good to hear you.
0: Oh, no, I just think that sometimes it's hard for people when they see lots of good things happening to other people and maybe not them. It's hard for them to, to celebrate with you. like, so, um, I think for John, there's a lot of great things that, it happened to him, even, you know, this was before we met and maybe some people saw that as competition, I guess. That's what I've tried to tell them.
1: Because even when you go into the priesthood, you're still a human being and you have mm-hmm. all the same positive and negative attributes of being a human being as anybody else. And jealousy is one of them.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Yes. It's a green, it's a green eyed monster. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. There
2: were so many people who supported me, including Cardinal Timothy Dolan whom you know, and who um, encouraged me to continue up doing the media. Um, and I hope I did it with an honest desire to just communicate what I believed. And I still believe about, about God and about purpose in life and about um, all of those things.
1: More with Jonathan and Caitlin in just one second. But first, Bloomsy Box. Have you heard of Bloomsy Box? Well, it's flowers. And they're better. They're better than the flowers you're getting now. Trust me on this. Seeing the look on someone's face when your Bloomsy Box flowers arrive is kind of magical. And you're probably sitting there right now thinking, oh my God, this is the person I forgot to buy for. Well, Bloomsy Box has got your back. It's not too late. It can be like a Happy New Year celebratory bouquet. These flowers are as spectacular as the story behind them. They are sustainably grown on family farms around the world. This is cool. I place my order, my flowers get hand picked and arranged at the farm just for me it's like sending a personal one-of-a-kind flower gift they are delivered farm fresh straight to my loved one's door so that they arrive weeks fresher they don't die immediately that's the key great great prices huge selection of artisan designed arrangements no hidden fees no endless upsells and free shipping with your subscription whether I am sending a single holiday arrangement to my mom, which I did, or a subscription for someone special to receive flowers every month, I only use Bloomzy Box, And I got you a special discount. Go to Bloomsybox.com and enter MK to get 15% off and free shipping. That's promo code MK for 15% off at B-L-O-O-M-S-Y box.com. Cardinal Dolan is a stand-up guy. I I love him. And just so our our listeners know, he's so sweet. I've met him a few times. I've interviewed him a couple of times and after my acrimonious departure from NBC, he wrote me the nicest handwritten letter. No. And I mean, as a Catholic, when you get a note like that from Cardinal Dolan, it's like, "Oh my god." Except <laughs> there was no return address on there. And I was like, I has really struggled to figure out how to thank him. And, uh, it's not like dear Santa North pole, you know, you can't just say like <laughs> Cardinal Dolan, St. Pat's anyway, he's a, he's a stand up guy. And, and Jonathan, I want the audience to know you too. Not only did you baptize all three of my kids, um, and Janice Dean's kids, but there was a very tumultuous time in my life when I was in Cleveland, Ohio, for the Republican National Convention when Trump got the nomination. And it was the same day that somebody leaked my name to the Drudge Report as cooperating with the investigation into Roger Ailes. Previously, I just hadn't said anything publicly and people knew there was pressure on me to say something. They wanted me to say something in his defense, but I wouldn't. But people didn't know that I was actually somebody who was coming forward against him behind the scenes. And it got leaked to the Drudge Report. And it was a big, big news story. And it was certainly a huge news story at Fox. And I was hauled up in my hotel room, not talking to anyone. I was afraid. I felt like a caged animal in there because now I had no allies. I didn't know who it fought. I mean, Fox was very divided at the time over this. And, you know, Janice knew my story, but nobody else knew the story. And it was just very scary. And I got a knock on my door and it was you. And you came in. You held my hand. We prayed. You didn't. You weren't looking for anything other than to be supportive. And I will never forget that moment. You just held my hand, and we prayed. It was the only thing that made me feel better.
2: Megan, let me let me do a little revisionist um, history here, but I think it's actually true. Um, so I did not knock on your door. Okay, that would have been very creepy, and you would not have answered. <laughs> well, your door. <laughs> I didn't okay. mean it as a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so we we texted and let me tell you from my perspective. So imagine this. So we were texting and I I we didn't share anything about what you were going I knew what you were going through and etc and I just wanted to know that um that I was there for you as a friend and as a priest and so we we agreed to meet. Right, and you said mm-hmm. the, only, the only place I can't even get out of my room. Like you said, you felt like a caged animal. Like I can't come out. So the only place to meet is here. And here I am thinking. Right, the audience can try to picture this. So here, Megyn Kelly is now big time in the news, um, in a story that has to do with sex, It has to do with abuse, and has to do with all sorts of stuff. And here, a priest is going up to her bedroom. In a hotel, <laughs> okay. So this is what's going through my mind. I'm going, okay. You want me to meet you there, okay? Should I go? So here, are, here are my two choices, Megan. I I never told you this. I'm telling you this for the first time. Do I like? It's. I think this is August, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm like, how do I go up, like, and wrap my the, like cover up my collar so that nobody <laughs> knows that it's a priest going up to your hotel room? <laughs> and I think like, like, no. That, that might be worse. Right. So they right. might like recognize me and I'm like hiding. And so like some, some, something's going to be like released in which a video of me going up hiding my car. <laughs> so I does just not look going good. Up. No, it does not look good. So I just decided to go up, um, just, you know, making a, a, a pastoral visit and all went well, but, um, you were a trooper there, Megan. And I think you tried to live, um, honestly and truthfully, and it all worked out.
1: Well, Thank you. I mean, I've said before, and it's true that I think the same ethical compass that led me to make the decisions I made there and throughout the rest of my life were in large part thanks to the Catholic Church. I mean, I'm not a particularly religious person. I'm not very good about going to church on Sundays, but the imprint that was made on me from going every sunday and going through all of the sacraments you know that i have and just religious education with my mom you know that my mom put me in um it mattered it made a difference in my life and so even if you don't wind up you know particularly observant i do think it's a worthwhile exercise because that ethical imprint winds up mattering in life
2: absolutely true but megan think about your kids though this is like I'm just, cause this is like hard, this is hard podcast stuff. You have to put that imprint on them, Mm
1: -hmm, right? So somehow
2: an imprint was made on you, right? Because of going every Sunday or whatever. And I don't, I think there's different ways and I'm trying to figure this out myself. It's much easier for me to go to mass on Sunday, every Sunday as a priest. Now I have to make a decision to do it when nobody is expecting me to show up.
1: Uh (laughs) Welcome to our world.
2: Yes. It's different. (laughs) Oh, and like sitting through boring homilies
1: and like bad music. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He's crossed over. He's on our team now. <laughs> yes. You've got to be armchair quarterbacking. Are you not? You're like, pick it up for the love of, right? No.
2: Oh, oh it's it's rough. Especially <laughs> my, my wonderful wife, who we'll talk to in a minute, is, grew up evangelical. And like they have great music and they have great preaching. And so I'm trying to explain mm-hmm. to her Caitlin, I love, I mean, what I, I'm going here, not because of that, but because of the sacraments and because I, you know, I believe God is present in a special way. And she's like, but the music is really bad and this guy can't talk.
1: <laughs> Caitlin, is there any chance you're going to convert him to evangelical?
0: <laughs> well, he did go with me to my mom's church an evangelical church in Pennsylvania um that has like a rock band and there's you know PowerPoint presentation and there's props and everything and and you get coffee when before you walk in before service uh, and you mingle uh. and and John's like what is this he's so confused <laughs> but he was trying so hard to sing along and it was it was yeah it made my mom very happy he got major points there with my mom that Sunday because he went to church that-
1: would be such a huge twist to this story. I mean, like I, I, I'm yeah. I sort of <laughs> rooting for it. <him. laughs> um, okay, so so back to back to you and your and your struggle. So you get to some point in the in your time as a priest where, it I mean, you, it must have occurred to you like the bird saying, mm, "I'm not sure this is for me." How long into your tenure as a priest was that?
2: I would say almost right from the beginning, Megan. Um, as Sad as that sounds um and it it's not all sad it's not all sad. Um, keep in mind that I did join that religious order that turned out to be a cult, so there were things that were not right, it was super strict, super rigid, uh, very kind of top down control uh very little personal freedom, and so at some level, even though I was very young and very idealistic and Noble and so I wanted to do like hard things, difficult things, including celibacy and be a part of like this most strict order. Something I knew something wasn't right, but I had gone in so deeply, I think culturally, socially, and then I became a more more and more public figure. Mm. Um, They made me a a superior, they call it in the religious order, so I was like leading other guys, and then I started working. Um, I worked with Mel Gibson and Jim Caviezel in the film of the Passion of the Christ, and it became kind of public through that. And then with CNN mm-hmm. and Fox and all this stuff. And so I felt, and this is, I think this is a human experience, not just mine. It's, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to let the pe- people's expectations of me down, mm-hmm. um, especially because I saw that i was doing some good and this is this is the conflict right i'm doing some good and yet it doesn't feel right for me
1: there's another layer of it when whenever you're going to leave a profession that you've been attached to for a long time i think it's hard because your identity gets wrapped up in said profession even if it's not something where you're doing a ton of good. like lawyering, but so that that's there. But with you, it is an extra layer because people have this special relationship with their priest or their minister or their rabbi. You're up on a pedestal. You know, they look up to mm-hmm. you. They, they rely on you for life advice and religious guidance. And I think the pressure must have been especially immense on you not to leave that post. And in, in essence, put yourself first, you know, which is what most people do their whole lives, but a priest, maybe not.
2: Yeah, and I think there was some. Oh, you said it exactly right, Megan. No doubt, like being put up on a pedestal, all all of that, and some of it I think um, is just really wrong. And the church needs to go through major convergence transformation from it. Some of it was my own fault for allowing myself to actually believe that that was true, um, and that I was special. um, And I think I'm special because I'm I'm a individual created by God out of love, but not because I had a certain position, um, or even that I was ordained. Um, I was different, but not special, so to speak. But mm-hmm. I found that, um, and maybe we can talk about this later, um, in my new work that I'm doing now professionally as an executive coach and working in leadership development, um, a, a kind of a solution to that, um, of that quandary, right? Of wanting to do good, mm-hmm. but at the same time recognizing that I have to take care of myself. And I believe deeply that if I'm flourishing as a human being, I am glorifying God. That makes sense, right? If I'm flourishing as a human being, I am glorifying God.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think most of us on the outside (laughs) feel that. And I just think there's so much pressure on someone like you who makes a noble choice to serve God in a special way to just always do it in that way. So I'm, I'm happy for you as I was when you told me you were leaving. Um, that you recognized you needed something else and were, were brave enough to act on it i'm sure not everyone in in the priesthood felt the same did you no. uh, did you hear from any of them did you get did anybody give you a hard time
2: yeah some did some people you know cut me off um, some people wrote articles about me as if i was like and trust me i, I know that you've experienced this 10 times of what i have Um, people wrote articles about me as if I, as if they never knew me or as if I were not a real person that just commented on you, like you were some sort of object in the room that had no feelings and no sentiments and, um, never even tried to reach out to me to understand or anything. Um, but that's part of the price you paid, uh, for being in the public. So I get it.
1: Mm -hmm. I always... It took me years to realize this, but I did come to the point of realizing there is, um, in my case, there's Megyn Kelly, the me, and then there's yeah. Megyn Kelly, the brand, which yeah. is totally fair game for criticism, you know, and, and whenever mm-hmm. I read stuff about myself I don't like, I, I have to remind myself that's the brand that I've put out there. Not Not everyone mm-hmm. knows or cares to know my heart and who I really am. Mm-hmm. So you can't take it as though they do, right? You just got to remember... That that's FJ the brand. They don't they don't really know yeah. anything about you, right? The people who yep. did were rooting for you.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I did you have back. to tell?
1: Did you have to tell Cardinal Dolan? You know, I mean, I know he gave you like a little time to think about it, but did you have to walk in there one day and say, "CD, <laughs> I'm out of here,
2: <laughs> peace out"? I did. I did. It get got to the point. It was probably two o'clock in the morning when I sent him the email. Um, because I wanted to put it all on paper before I talked to him because I didn't want to be convinced otherwise. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I put it all down. I spent time thinking about it. Um, but it was two in the morning and then I took that same email that I sent to him. Um, and I forwarded to all of my siblings, not to my mom and dad. because I didn't want to put them in their grave. But I sent it to all of my siblings and said, "Um, this is what I'm going to do. And I basically asked for a sabbatical. And I told him my whole story. I told him what was going on in my life. Um, And it was a shock to him because I was very close to him. And he had given me a lot of responsibility. I was running two parishes in the Bronx at the time. I was overseeing as co-chairman of, um, 14 schools in the Bronx. Um, I was doing a lot and, um, it was, it was hard, but he was so good to me. He said, Jonathan, I think I have a person who could fill in for you. Don't wait until next month or two months from now to take a sabbatical, um, leave this weekend. And I did. Wow.
1: He wasn't disappointed at all in you?
2: He was but i got to the point that i was okay with people being disappointed
1: but but people's not the same as wait colonel dollet i mean that like, that must have been hard
2: yeah but it's still other people's expectations right and that's that's the point i think and they can they can have different like my mom's expectations are wow. higher than your expectations of me. I could deal with Megan Kelly's expectations of me even though that's that wasn't hard either. I baptized your three kids.
1: That's right. Right? And you By the like, way, I do uh, want to know if it that's still, still valid? legitimate. Is it still- yeah, <laughs> I do just want to make perfectly sure we're still good. <laughs> it is. It is.
2: So, it's like so I had to deal with all of that, right? And the the priest who I was I was living with and like like leading the two parishes, the Everyone on Fox News, the management at fox the mm. um all the people who re, you know listen listened to or read my books all of and then Cardinal dolan, but i'm not saying I'm just saying everybody has that in their life right your the expectations of your spouse, the expectations of your children um expectations of your boss
1: so who is the toughest one to tell
2: Cardinal Dolan, I would say.
1: More than your parents? Yeah. Yeah. So they because, came around to it.
2: Yeah. Because in the end, parents think about your kids, Megan, right? No matter what they tell you, like they're your kids. Yeah. Right. Cardinal yep. Dolan, you know, was my boss and a friend, but a boss.
1: Yeah. And you were on the inner circle. I mean, he had really taken you in. Uh, and promoted you and believed in you. So it's, it's even tougher there, but mm-hmm. you know, what everybody wants to know is, cause I know you've said publicly, I, this is how you put it in your letter that you released in May of 2019. I've struggled for years with my vocation and with the commitments that the Catholic priesthood demands, especially not being able to marry and have a family in response to which everyone said, even though you said my decision's not about an existing relationship, but everybody was like, he's got a girlfriend. Or a boyfriend. None of us knew. I mean, we know. <laughs> How would we know? Um, but that's what everybody thought, that you had started a relationship, and that's why you were leaving. But was that true? No.
2: Oh, it, it, it's, it, was, I mean, it you, was true you, you what didn't I have read, a relationship. What I wrote. Yeah. I did not have yeah. a relationship um, that I was pursuing in, in any way or that I was hoping to continue in any way. That was that was absolutely true. Um, you didn't have, like, I, even a dalliance
1: before no, I mentioned um
2: very publicly too, you know, and I told this to Cardinal Dolan, and I mentioned this, um, with um Megan, um, sorry, Martha, Martha. McCallum show, yeah. you know, I said um, part of the manipulation by the re- religious order that I um, was a part of is at at one point, even before I was ordained, I did have, uh, as you say, a parlance or a relationship with someone that was fleeting, and. Um, and I went and I said, I do not want to be ordained a priest. I, this is not for me. This is not. Um, and they, instead of saying, okay, they're like, um, no, that's okay. Don't worry about it. That never happened. And they promoted me two years ahead and they made me a superior of the order. Um, mm. It just shows the manipulation that was there. So, um, yes, I struggled. And I put that out, I think publicly. I didn't. I didn't do like this general confession in which I, um, which I don't think is helpful or necessary by, by anyone. But that
1: was, that was 20 years earlier and you weren't officially ordained. I I was thinking like when you were getting ready to jump off the diving board and say, okay, I'm out of here. There wasn't like, I just feel like there would be like, maybe I'll just try it first before I take this big leap. That didn't happen. Yeah,
2: no, Caitlin, Caitlin will be, will be brought in soon. (laughs) I'm sure. But um, we had, we had no, you know, when I left and I asked for the sabbatical, I was hundred percent and totally free, um, to still consider coming back. And Cardinal Dolan was encouraging me to come back. Um, and he just basically said, take it slowly, take it slowly. And I did, but as soon as I left, I basically knew deep down, this is something that is, if Pope Francis gives me a dispensation, um I'm gonna take it, um, but I took time. Mm-hmm. I took four months um and it went back, lived with my parents. Imagine at the age of forty six years old, going back and living with your parents and oh, not OMG. knowing what you're gonna do for a job for anything
1: and um, also, you and, had to be a little yeah. afraid i mean that you weren't gonna have any moves with the ladies, right did you have to did you worry about that at all? like <laughs> am I gonna be smooth?
2: <laughs> oh no, I didn't worry about that in the sense that <laughs> I listen. <laughs> not because I was Father, so what a waste! Head,
1: no worries.
2: <laughs> no, it's not that. But I knew that. I mean, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't twenty three. I, I was. I recognized that this was a serious thing. That I. I also saw so, saw so many marriages struggle. I knew it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was leaving the priesthood for some fairy tale. I knew that it wasn't easy. I knew that dating was, um, especially at my age. What am I going to do? Either, um date. Somebody who is uh, divorced and remarried or somebody who's 22 or somebody who's 58 and who's never been married or Caitlin, who was perfect. Uh, And I didn't know if I would find that person, but I did.
1: All right. More with Father Jonathan. I mean, Jonathan and Caitlin in just one second. And this is the segment of the interview where I'm going to ask them all the inappropriate, awkward questions that you know you want answered and it will deliver. (laughs) <laughs> uh but first before we get to that let's talk about jamarini skin research jamarini skin Re- research is a recognized leader and innovator in skincare i myself have used these products and they are easy to use they keep my skin feeling refreshed and hydrated the entire day they're beautiful one of the fastest growing professional skincare brands in recent years is Jamarini. Uh, It's used by multiple movie and TV production sets currently used on the set of Spider-Man and Riverdale. And this skincare management system is basically, they've idiot-proofed it for you. So as a woman who is busy, I appreciate that because what they've done is it's a five-step daily system that includes, includes cleansing, rejuvenating, resurfacing. Don't you need that? Resurfacing. Hydrating and protecting. It's like my friend Dan says, you know, if you try to hydrate your skin without resurfacing first. It's like watering the desert. He says it's like watering the desert, and it's true. Jan Marini knows that. Uh, They have been awarded 10 consecutive years by New Beauty Magazine uh, as the best skincare regimen for aging skin. Jan Marini's skincare research, in fact, has earned more beauty awards from New Beauty than any other skincare company. Excellent, excellent range of proven and award-winning solutions. Reduce the appearance of fine lines, wrinkles, discoloration, skin damage. Hello. So, Go to JanMarini.com to find locations near you, or you can purchase directly from their website. That'll be easy. Just go to JanMarini.com. Again, J-A-N-M-A-R-I-N-I. Plus they've got great, great holiday time offerings. So if you're looking at the new year thinking, what can I do for a boost? Check her out. Uh, And you always get two day free shipping. Transform your skin with Jan Marini. Okay. Before we get back to our guests, I want to bring you a segment we call real talk here on the Megan Kelly show. And that's where we're just talking about anything that we think is interesting. <laughs> well, listen, it being Christmas, I wanted to tell you about two Christmas movies that I never miss. And in case you haven't seen them, one of them you have, one of them you might not. You still have time, right? Because we've got today to just loaf around and watch movies and maybe a little football, but just take it easy. Okay. One is It's a Wonderful Life and you've seen that, but you may not have seen it the way we we watch it. My family and I treat this movie as the Rocky Horror picture show. <laughs> we we all get our Santa's hats on. We get bells. Everybody has bells. We get salt. We get bread. And we get ready. And we sit in front of it. And whenever uh, Clarence comes on, we ring our bells. Um, whenever George does hee-haw, or his friend Sam, Ray, uh, Sam, whatever his name is, does his hee-haw, we do it. Um, whenever Mr. Potter comes on, we hiss. Yes. And then when Mr. Marini has the new house... We throw salt and bread and it's super fun. It's just like a it's like a fun way of enjoying a classic movie and getting your kids into George Bailey and his life. Because who doesn't love that movie? Although on the young ones, it's a little long and, you know, this will make them love it. It's just super fun. And my second suggestion to you is Christmas in Connecticut. So Christmas in Connecticut is a 1947, I think, Barbara Stanwyck film where Barbara Stanwyck, was young and it's black and white and it's one of her lesser known films, but it's this classic holiday film that will make you feel like you've done a little time travel. They've got the horse drawn carriages in the snowy meadow and the way she dresses is so beautiful and elegant. And the farm that she's allegedly at uh, in Connecticut over the holidays is perfection and you could watch the whole thing with the sound down, frankly, because it's really just the visuals of the movie that I don't know just make you feel incredibly good, especially on Christmas Day. So I never miss putting that on, and I hope if you do it, you enjoy it too. Back to Jonathan and Caitlin. That's the perfect uh, point at which to bring in your now beautiful wife, Caitlin. As you know, still he she's with us, and so Caitlin, welcome back. Just so the audience knows, you're from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. You went to NYU, majored in journalism, and were at the time you met FFJ, and um, and now uh, are a successful producer and booker at Good Morning America. You work for ABC News.
0: Yes, I work at ABC in the investigative unit now. But when I met John, okay. I I worked at Good Morning America, and um, when we were when um, Pope Benedict resigned, and they flew like 20, 30 people over from New York to cover this. And I was one of them. And so we were all in Rome for weeks covering the conclave. That so was how thir- we 2013,
1: met. right? 2013? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you met him, you met him first in Rome. Yeah. Now, what were, do you remember having any sort of reaction to him when you met him first?
0: No, I just think like, you know, he was, there was, I've never seen so many priests in my entire life. Like as they did, <laughs> Running around Rome, everyone was a priest. And growing up evangelical, I just, you know, like, go out and drink wine with your pastor. So it was just like a whole different, different kind of world over there. But um, Mm -hmm. I um, met him when I was trying to book all the Cardinals on all the morning shows. Right. So that was always the competition and everybody wanted Cardinal Dolan on. And so I would, that was one of the people I would go to saying, can we please have an interview with him tomorrow morning um, with George Stephanopoulos or or one of our anchors. So that's Mm how um, I first was introduced to then father Jonathan.
1: Is it funny for you now, looking back at those moments where you were soliciting him as a booker to think, you know, if, if, you, if somebody could have tapped you on the shoulder and told you you're going to wind up married to him? Can you imagine? I <laughs>
0: know no, it's so crazy, Megan. This whole life <laughs> I'm living is just—it's—it is almost too good to be true. I say that to John all the time, but I—I um, I feel so blessed. Like every day I wake up so happy. Um, I know there's a lot of heartache right now with what's happening in 2020 and the pandemic, but we have managed to find such joy and happiness um, in our family, and it's—and it's, and it's uh, so much is, is rooted in him. And what he's brought into my life. So yeah, it is so crazy. I, no, if someone had I'm told me that like it, seven years ago, <laughs> I would have
1: laughed. I'm feeling it just listening to you because what I'm picturing is the the couple I saw walking on air at your wedding. So I can feel it even even though we can't see each other. All right. So have you ever seen the Thornbirds? <laughs> you know, I'm obsessed. No, you
0: asked me that at the reception. And I was I like, <laughs> I haven't seen that, but I've seen Fleabag. And so we've watched that together, but I haven't seen it's the, the Thornburns. You, you still have
1: not watched it. I mean, I you you they, now listen. He he never left the priesthood. I'm sorry, spoiler. But um, he you you're like his the Maggie to his father Ralph. Every woman in America when they watch Thornburns <laughs> was totally rooting for him to leave the priesthood and be with his girl. <laughs> okay, oh, so no well, Thornburns. No Thornburgs. Okay, no. So the next time you saw him. Was when after twenty
0: thirteen? Um, so he asked me on a date. We went out on a date on my birthday. This was after he had made the announcement. He left and he did his interview on Fox. And then I heard from him, and he asked me out to lunch. And so, which we is like to, out of the blue, uh, you heard from him out of the blue, like you yes, saw him he on found, Fox. Well, so I had so when he made his announcement in May, um, he had at the bottom of it, you know, for members of the media, you can reach me at this email address. I won't be responding, but, you know, this is, he was was trying to traffic it ahead of time, right? And so I, because I'm a booker at heart, let's be honest, I was like, okay, I'll reach out to him. Dear Father Jonathan, do you remember, probably don't remember me, but um, I met you in Rome and I just wanted to say congratulations on your next steps and we're all cheering for you. Best wishes, Caitlin Fulmer. Um, but I was that at,
1: was that as a booker? Was that like genuinely wishing him goodwill or was that like, well, he's free I'm wishing now? Wishing him goodwill.
0: I'm I mean listen, I spent my all my life single. I was gonna probably be destined to be a news nun, basically, uh, you know, <laughs> working in <and, laughs> I know, I knew you would get that that reference. I was like, don't say that. No one will understand that, but <laughs> but I was. I like it. I was just jumping on planes and, and traveling, and that was my life, and that was my love. And so yeah, when I sent that, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, okay, I was just doing it to try to book him on the view or something. No, I, I was just genuinely interested, too, in, in hearing what his next steps were. When I read that, too, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what it, what's the real deal here? Where is he going? And it turns yeah. out he really did just want something new, and, and he followed it, and he had the guts to do it. And and so um, it was exciting. Then I got to meet him and have lunch. So so wait, So how,
1: did he, how did, did he respond to that email, or what did he do?
0: No, he didn't. He did not respond. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm sure he's getting a thousand emails. You're like, no, pro- it's no problem. He's
1: going to hell anyway, so it's really.
0: Hard <laughs> so, so, but, so, but I was in. Um, he found me on Twitter. That's what it was. So, I guess like maybe a week after I sent that email, I get a direct message, a DM in my in my inbox. He slid into my DM, and his line was, he was like, Hey, um, Jonathan Moore is here. I don't know if you saw the news. I just left the priesthood. I'm so happy. How are you? <laughs> and so I think I have it memorized because I've shared it with my girlfriend so many times. John, honey, you're oddly quiet right now. Um, so anyhow, we... I, um, I, I
2: learned to let my wife speak. <laughs>
0: so this quiet,
1: babe. is spectacular. So I, then I just I left the priesthood. Yeah. Did I'm he, did so he say anything like, you? um? I'm, you know, I, I've got the blessing of Cardinal <laughs> Dole. Like, did he say anything like, we're going to be good no, with the big guy up it, above?
0: No, it was pretty. It was like three lines. He was straight to the voice. Like, oh I love the priesthood. I'm so happy. How are you? And I was like, oh, my goodness. And so my initial response was, OK, I sent you an email and you didn't read it. So that was my response. He's like, oh, um, actually, this is the email. You should send it to this one. So he has like a secret email account. So then I sent it to that. And then that's what started the whole, oh, let's grab
1: lunch. And so that's what happened. He took me out. Wait to lunch. a minute. Wait a minute. Let's then, back up. Wait, let's back okay. up. Jonathan, have yeah. you received that email? That, did you see that email that Caitlin sent you?
2: No, no, I did not. And honestly, in two days, I think I received over 25,000 emails from the craziest people. And then there were normal people like Caitlin um, who sent me emails, most of whom were just um, reacting in a very, very gracious way about my decision. But no, I did not see that email. And I did not ask her out. It was not a date. I was asking her to lunch. Okay. Uh, Those of us in the real world
1: know what you were asking for. We know it was a date. Don't try to fool us. Do not try to fool us. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you telling me without having seen her, Email you just spontaneously reached out to her. it's I mean you know a, yep. somebody might call that divine intervention I mean it's <laughs> it's amazing providence providence
0: yeah I mean he right? didn't even know I could have been married with ten kids living in Connecticut with a picket fence he had no idea he hasn't I haven't seen him in seven years or six years since then so oh. I mean
1: but I so, guess okay, he's kind uh, of okay all I right was. back to you <laughs> Caitlin back to you yeah. so uh, every <laughs> single friend must have been like holy. Mm, right like i can't i do right. swear but <laughs> i can't do it in front of F- I, F- I know,
0: so I, I know i actually thought about too i should do that Get but it. i know what you're going to say yeah they totally thought the same thing they this is perfect hmm. so
1: yeah <laughs> were they, they excited were it, but...
0: yeah cuz it's so like excited. a great
1: looking he was what 46 at the time he's for, 47 as of 46 mm-hmm. so a great looking mm-hmm. never before married 46 year old ethical moral upstanding member of the community who's got uh, you know outside of being a priest great jobs basically emails. He was like, Hey, let's go out. I mean, this is every unmarried 36 year old woman's birthday. dream
0: on my oh birthday. My God. He took me out on my birthday. I know. Isn't that crazy? So it, yes. yeah, it is again. It's so it, it is a fairy tale. My mom used to, She was like a couple years before, you know, I met John. She was like, I really think you you have this idea of a fairy tale. I'm not sure it's going to come true. I just don't want you to be disappointed. Well, she's now come full circle and said, I'm glad you never stopped believing because they really do come true. <laughs> in the form mm-hmm. of Jonathan so it was a, it was a business
1: lunch yeah okay Listen, he's still going with that okay we've moved past that
0: but- <laughs> okay here's the most important thing after the lunch I did not hear from him for about four weeks or three weeks he just like what? didn't even follow up didn't didn't yeah so I thought oh he's just he really isn't interested he probably is you know and he shouldn't he should go and I thought he should go out and date you know he's he's has yeah. He's been in pre- the priesthood for so long. Like, go out, he's got, he some, out there. got some oats to
1: sow. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's the way to put it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did not hear it from him for many weeks.
1: So, were you thinking, okay, Cardinal Dolan won? I <laughs> mean, like, or are you thinking, what were you thinking?
0: No, because he had already done his interview and he was going for it. I just figured he was probably busy. He wasn't interested. I, I don't know. I might, and thank you know this is where your girlfriend step in and they say do not write to him. Like that, no. You know, if a guy like it's like that movie, you know, I forget what it. But it's like if a guy wants to be with you, he will make it known, and so he will make it happen. So I mm-hmm. didn't text him. And then the next time I got a text from him, um, it was I was like, I was with Jeffrey Epstein's victims in federal court downtown, being chased by the paparazzi and all the crazy media, and I get this text message from a new phone number. And it's, hey, John, John Moore is here. Um, Here's my new phone number. Just wanted to check in or something like that. And so that was how we kind of reconnected after that. But I will say Mm -hmm. after he did reach out to me, then there hadn't been, there was never a day that went by where I didn't hear from him. You know, when Mm -hmm. we were dating, he would always take the time to text or to call or FaceTime and reach out. So it's like he, so I can totally
1: forgive him from those, those weeks. Yes. And now it's ancient history. So John, I'm, I'm working with it. Tell me this. uh, Did you date anyone other than Caitlin in your, you know, time off? (laughs) I did. Yeah.
2: Nobody. Uh, seriously. I think Caitlin, you know, I've talked to Caitlin about, and she encouraged me actually. She's like, she's like date Although one time she encouraged me. And then I actually took her up on it. This is like right before we started going out seriously. And then she's like, Oh, you were not actually supposed to do that. But anyway, that's another, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's another well, you It's,
1: it's hard because no woman really wants a, da- a guy she's interested in to be, you know, dating around. But in your case, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, was, I'm not sure. Caitlin was
2: great about it. She was honestly saying, listen, um, you, I recognize, you know, that this is a big change in your life. And um." this is all very fast. And she did encourage me to date other people. And I did.
1: So you, this is, so I know you had your first dinner on July 21st. I did actually read the New York times profile on you. I'm, I'm feigning ignorance on some of these things. Um, but the New York times told me, this is how it was phrased. And I quote in October, they turned a serious corner and it was Mr. Morris who suggested they take their relationship to the next level. So, (laughs) Is that when you first slept together? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, Megan, again, I might not be able
2: to, I can still hear your confession. I just can't do anything about it. But you definitely can't do anything about my confession. So we're just going to leave it yeah. at that.
1: This is about your sin, not mine. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> All right. Let me ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. I know you said you had the girlfriend when you before you got ordained, there was a there was a girl. So like, I'm going to assume you Megan, went into I the relationship going. Yeah. Come on. Like I mean, were going. you were you a 46 year old version or not? No. I was not. <laughs> OK, good. All right. Good. So you had a move or two.
2: Again, we know each other
1: too well. Like, I mean, like, I know where you're going. <laughs> this is what everybody wants to know. I mean, it's like, okay. I I, I want to know what it was like for Caitlin, too, because I think I'd be a little scared. Like, there'd be a lot of pressure on me to like, I don't know, <laughs> rock his world. I, how did that feel for you, Caitlin? <laughs> not not like the specific, but like, <laughs> what emotions? Oh, like, yeah. I mean,
0: Megan, John's John I... dying right now because he calls me no, no filter, me- Kate. He calls me no filter Kate. He's like, oh, you know, because I just say what's on my mind, and so this is like his mm-hmm. worst nightmare. But I will be good, exactly. babe, and no, I Caitlin, will. I, did you know, I, know that I know
2: I know Megan Kelly's husband? He's a great guy named Doug. Excellent, I
1: a good met friend. Doug. Great guy. So
2: yeah. excellent. I'm trying getting to think out of out other bounce. topics here.
1: Get, getting um, out of bounds entirely. <laughs> okay, so it it went well. Obviously, some test was passed because then you got married. Um, all right. So, who proposed to whom?
0: He proposed. He surprised me. I was very shocked.
1: Was How did it
0: happen? Uh, he um, he told me that we we're going to be out in San Diego. This is like in June. It was right after my birthday. So it was like our one-year anniversary of our first date. And he took me. He said we we're going to some dinner. And I was all dressed up. And I had done you know brushed my hair and put on makeup, so I looked decent, which was a good thing because you gonna ask me to marry him? And I had no idea. Um, I wow. think when so we we went up to this like beautiful mountain golf like on a golf course overlooking the San Diego Valley and the ocean. And he, um, I was like, and also I was trying to hug him and he backed away and I'm like, what is he doing? And then, um, he got on one knee and I was like, Oh my gosh. What's ha-? And I, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What's happening. And then he asked me, and then I looked at him, and I said, are you sure? <laughs> And then he's like, yes, I'm sure. Of course I am. I said, okay, all right. As long as you're sure, yes, of course I'll marry you. But it took with me a good, I I think I had to wrap my mind around it for a moment. Mm -hmm. But um, it was, was, aside from my wedding day, the happiest day, I couldn't stop smiling. And he had everything prepared. He had a bottle of champagne up there. He had a photographer hiding in the bushes who caught Mm -hmm. all the photos and the moments. And then um, he took me to a lovely French dinner afterwards. So um, it was really a dream. You did a good job.
1: Wow, I had
0: the moves.
1: Well, I mean that was a good day. I was kind of referring to different moves, but we'll talk later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Maybe, off talk to Maybe off the I'll record. Talk. Off the record with wine, Megan. That, that's right. <laughs> Done. Totally. So all. I will still all. <laughs> um. So. So you get married, and it was an amazing, amazing ceremony. You truly were. Both of you were, Looked like you were on cloud nine and it happened to be it was on october 17th at saint patrick's cathedral i mean of all places it's the it's a place of honor in the catholic church it's cardinal dolan's church his pad and he was there i think that's so beautiful i mean honestly you, were you so touched because you wound up getting his blessing
2: yeah it w- just more uh transparency i think you know we i think the day after we got engaged we called him and uh, we asked him to marry us. He said yes, and he suggested St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I think later there was some pushback by members of the clergy, probably like how could this be celebrated in this way? And this, um, but um, and so that as it turned out, the rector of the cathedral, a good friend of ours, Monsignor Ritchie, presided at the wedding. But Cardinal Dolan um, decided to be there as well, and. You know, we said, Cardinal, don't we understand this is very public. Why don't we go and meet you in the rectory? You know, after afterwards, which is where he resides. And mm-hmm. um, he said, No, I'll meet you um, outside the church. And we came walking down the aisle right after this ceremony in St. Patrick's Cathedral, down the center aisle, and he was there at the back of the aisle, right at the, at the you know entrance to the church um, waiting for us with his mask on and his arms outstretched. And it was, it was a very moving moment for sure.
0: Colonel Dolan has always reached out to me and made me feel welcome. Um, you know, a couple, like when we first started dating, John took me over to his apartment he hosted us and we drank martinis in his living room and he talked to me wanted to know me and get to know me and ask me questions. And, um, he just, he, I, I say to him that, um, You are really good for Christianity and for the church because you make being a Christian look attractive and joyful. There's a joy there when you see him. And I said, then that's, you know, that's a good thing for the church. Um, And we always enjoy our time with him. And he has made a point to get to know us as a couple. And that means a lot. And then obviously that was culminated by him being the first to greet us when we were married.
1: Mm, So nice. It's got to be good luck. I mean, there's something in there that's I don't know, redemptive. So now, wh- the big question is: Are we having children? Are children in the future? Since this was one of your this was one of your reasons to leave, right? I mean, you've got to be hoping, no, John?
2: <laughs> we are hoping. And what I one of the things I loved about Caitlin was that. So I'm forty. I'm forty-eight now. Um, she's thirty-six um, and thirty-seven. Sorry, Caitlin. And, but I was so happy that she, she mentioned, she would think about, she would be a news nun someday, like just basically be dedicated to the news. She wasn't looking to have children. And that was kind of a relief to me, even though I was certainly hoping to have children or being open to that idea, but I was she wasn't getting married in order to have a kid. Um, so that gave me great confidence. Another thing that gave me, gave me great confidence was this whole terrible epidemic. Uh, pandemic that we're going through and that we were, you know, spending much more time together than we would have otherwise. And so our relationship really sped up um, without getting into details. Uh, um, <laughs> it really sped up honestly, because we spent, you know, three, four months together all the time. And so I was like, you know what? I actually like being with her. And I think hopefully she said the same thing about me. So that was, that's kind of the silver lining in our own relationship. But the answer to your question is, yes, we're very open to having children. And we look, you know, we're, we are, we've only been married two months, so stop pressing the issue. But Caitlin, <laughs> Caitlin was, um, was adopted from Korea. Um, and we went last December back to Korea, back for the first time since she had been there, since she was three months old. Um, and we went to the very adoption agency uh, where she had um, been you know, given by her birth mother and where she spent the first days of her life in this little room where that little room is still there. And it's full mm. of these little babies under three months old who have not even been placed in foster care yet. Wow. And Caitlin was able to hold a baby from her town. Um, who was there waiting for adoption. So that's also an, an option.
1: Oh, that would be, that would be so beautiful. <laughs> I know. I feel like yeah. there was a reason this happened. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's somebody who's coming oh. in the future. Maybe it's just the love between the two of you, you know, which is such an uplifting force. I, I've said before, when you marry the right person, it can be such a stabilizing sound foundation yeah. for the rest of your life. I just, I think a lot of people don't realize if you have a great relationship, what an injection of joy it can be into your world, you know, and, and the opposite is true too, but we'll stay on the positive for now. You know, like if you've got it and you nurture it, it can stay nurtured. I mean, Doug and I have been together now for, I don't know, we met in, in 06, right? So we're going on 15 years and it's awesome. And yeah. and it, and it doesn't even require that much work. Just a little nurturing, just like generous lenses, little nur- nurturing and a, a few other things we'll get into over the wine. Oh, can you tell this story? You guys have to tell this story. It was about you went to church and I don't know, Jonathan, you were doing something at the church and you were like taking too long. Do you, can you tell this story? Oh, right. It's the communion. It's,
0: it's Tommy's first communion, honey.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll tell this story. It's you like-
1: can't say it with a certain. Yeah no Yes, I mean you have words. to. You okay. must. Yes, I insist.
0: <laughs> okay. that you do. We can't. I don't so, think you can do that with the ratings. So is, you can only really give your. No, no. I have an explicit know. warning. Oh, I-,
1: I have an explicit warning label <laughs> on my show. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Caitlin,
2: I okay, have to honey. ask your permission. You okay? uh yes, I'm totally fine. Okay, here we go. Never said this publicly, but um. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're at my nephew's first communion and it's one of caitlin's first time meeting my family you can imagine but they're thinking you know like oh, you know here he is after all these years in the priesthood who is she and so caitlin grew up evangelical so in the catholic church if you're if you're not catholic um when you go up to communion you don't receive because the idea is if you don't believe the same thing the catholic church believes about communion you shouldn't receive out of, kind of intellectual integrity, I guess. Um, and so, but what you can do is cross your arms um, over your chest mm-hmm. and the priest will give a blessing on your forehead. So um, Caitlin was very eager to do that. Okay. And later I found out she was very, she knew that she knew how to do it because she had watched it in Rome when she was there covering um, the, the conclave for good morning America, where we met. So, She, Caitlin and I are sitting together. She marches out into the aisle. I let her go ahead of me and she heads towards, you know, through the communion line. And as she's, she's now about four feet away from the priest who's giving out communion. And instead of what a normal person uh, would do, a normal person who knows like how to get the blessing would do, who would go walk right up to the priest, cross the arms and wait for him to get the blessing. She like, this was like, this wasn't Taco Bell or like, this was like, it was a flyby. She walked right past, <laughs> crossed her arm, walked right past the priest. And he's like looking for her with his arms stretched out, trying to catch her to give a blessing. She has no clue. She comes right back in the aisle. And, um, I, I look, I get back into the pew. My whole family probably saw her do this flyby. And, um, and I said, what was that? and she looked at me and she's in these beautiful high heels and this beautiful dress and she looks at me and she says you didn't fucking tell me what I was supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> or something like that
0: okay that's awesome it's actually
2: a little bit different but i don't even feel comfortable saying it <laughs> but you get the message <laughs>
0: she's
1: like i love def- it
2: you didn't effing tell me what i was supposed to do you effing whatever <laughs> i'm like uh well what were you marching up there for like you knew what you were doing but anyway meanwhile, well, me, la- me
1: well FFJ is like, by the way, the wafers taste delicious.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You have to to, to rewind to get that part of the story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you don't know know how good they are, what you're missing. So, oh, so by the way, so you you established you are not going to convert out of Catholicism. But Caitlin, is there any chance you're going to jump in?
0: I don't know. I wouldn't completely write it off. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. Um, Mm -hmm. When we go to church on Sundays, we go to this great church down here, um, near our neighborhood that has very good music, um, and preaching good homily. So, um, yeah, at one point, but John never made that, like when we were dating, it was never like a condition of, of dating or anything that he needed to marry someone Catholic. Um, and he likes to celebrate like my diverse backgrounds and, and where I come from. And, um, so yeah, so we'll see, see what well, Correct
1: me if I'm wrong, John, but I thought the rule was you can, you can marry a non-Catholic but the kids need to be Catholic. Yeah. Right?
2: It, and Caitlin signed off on that. Basically that
1: I did when um, get married, that mm-hmm.
2: the, the non-Catholic partners are, agrees um, to, or like recognize the fact that the Catholic partner has promised to raise the children Catholic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, this is like my the, in,
1: no matter how many sins I commit on this earth. I feel like when I get up there and St. Peter's trying to give me a hard time, I'm going to be like, look, I made you three little Catholics. That's all I want to hear is thank you and welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And here's your mansion.
1: That's right. So now wait, so what, so professionally, what's next for you, John? You're still at ABC, Caitlin. So, but what are you, what are you doing now to pay the bills since now you do have to, no more poverty. Yeah, well, (laughs) no,
2: actually there really is poverty now. Like if you don't work, (laughs) it turns out you're poor (laughs) in the Catholic church. If you're a priest and you don't work, you just keep your job and you still get paid and people suffer. Um, but that's another (laughs) issue. Um, yeah. So I looked at different things. I looked at, you know, promoting hedge funds. I looked at, you know, selling vacuum cleaners. I looked at, um, teaching high school religion. I looked at, um, A lot of different things. And I really have fallen into something that I absolutely love. And that is um, in the industry, we call it executive coaching or leadership development. Uh, But it's working with people across industries and even people who are not um, specifically in business to help them basically make good decisions um, in the workplace primarily. So it's not life coaching. Life coaching would be more like a kind of a low-level counselor or something, um, I, what I do is I get involved with people who are entrepreneurs. Um, and I, I say, um, I'm going to work with you for a year. Um, and that's kind of the minimal thing that we do. It's like one year, um, a retainer, and I am with you as a partner. And the first step is help to get you to get to know yourself better. And we use um, very specific um, personality assessment tools um, in order to do that. Um, So the first part is self-knowledge, self-assessment, and then second part is Mm -hmm. self-management and then applied leadership skills. But basically, it's people, and I've seen this over the last few months, um, but people have told me this, the most expensive decisions we make are the decisions that we make when we're afraid, when we're anxious, when we're jealous, when we're insecure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or when we're greedy, um, and the best and sometimes most profitable decisions that we make are the ones that we make when we're coming from a secure position personally. when we're making a decision where we need, we've gotten some advice from somebody that we trust. And so I'm working with executives and their immediate leadership teams to make good decisions and to give them courage um, to go ahead and to execute on those decisions. And I just loved it. So the, the firm is Morris and Larson. Um, so it's morrisandlarson.com is where you can find us, and it's just been a blessing. I'm doing it little by little. I'm also still working with Fox News um, as an analyst, as a as a contributor. But um, I'm just loving this. Working with people who have high impact. We say I'm going to invest in having somebody who I can confide in, who I can trust, um, and together we'll make good decisions. And I think it always pays off.
1: Well, it sounds perfect for you. I know in your letter announcing that you were leaving the priesthood, you said, I I hope you are able to hear the newfound joy I have in my heart, despite my fear of stepping into the unknown. You recognize some will not understand. I'm okay with that too. Please pray for me. I did. Millions of others did. So far, so good. Listen, m- Merry Christmas to the two of you on the first Christmas you will have together as husband and wife, and just so many blessings to you both. Thank you for being with me. Megan, thank
0: thank you, you,
1: Megan. Today's episode was brought to you in part by Bloomsy Box. Farm fresh flowers delivered right to your door. Go to Box, Bloomsy B-L-O-O-M-S-Y Box dot com and enter code MK to get 15% off and free shipping. Okay, on our next show, which is going to be Monday, uh, brand new programming—you're going to love it. Uh, everyone's abandoning you during the holiday season. Not us. We've got new program coming every show. No repeats. All new interviews. We are going to talk to Jerry Springer. This is an amazing exchange. He's got the most diverse and interesting history. Not only, of course, has he had this talk show, right, for all these years, almost 30 years, but do you know he was the youngest mayor in America at the time? Um, He's got a long political history, and somehow that parlayed into him doing shows that are entitled I Married a Horse. (laughs) He's very open about that transition, how it happened, what it was like, whether he thinks his show was a force for good, Um, his arrest 30 years ago for... Solicitation of prostitution. We'll get into that. And best of all, he will recount for you that time he was five years old and stood on the deck of the Queen Mary coming to America from England, looking at the Statue of Liberty and asking his mother, What does she mean? What does that mean? And the answer he got, You will love. See you then. Thanks for listening to The megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda and no fear. The Megyn Kelly Show is a Devil May Care media production in collaboration with Red Seat Ventures.